0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Alternative Movement podcast, where we talk everything adaptive training. My name's Craig, I'm your host, and today we have Daniel, and I'm probably going to pronounce your surname wrong. (laughs) Is it (laughs) it Dawood? Dawood. Dawood, damn it. Close. (laughs) Dawood. Yeah. I have many different
1: um, variations
0: of it, so done pretty well there. I was close, was I? Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. Uh, Daniel, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I'm good. How are you, Sal? Yeah, I'm great. I'm great. I'm really looking forward to speaking to you today. Um, so, Daniel is a coach. He's actually a PT. Um, and he's joined us today and he's uh, going to tell us a little bit about himself and what he does within the industry. Um, Daniel, cool. Uh, so, let's start this off. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself.
1: Yeah. Who are you? So, as you just said, my name is Daniel DeRude. 28 years old. Uh, I'm from the sunny, amazing town of Wigan. Uh, my disability is osteogenesis imperfecta. So for Mm -hmm. people who don't know what that means, that's basically brittle bones disease. Mm -hmm. So over the period of my life, I've had over 300 breaks from my body. I was actually born with both my arms, both my legs, a couple of rib fractures as well, and a skull fracture from birth. And it sort of of set the tone from the... I've had loads of um, leg fractures and sort of the bulk of the 300 and odd fractures that I've had. Uh, Numerous surgeries have had um, metal rods put into my femurs and tibias on both legs, basically helping healing times for my fractures and stopping them. Just making them hairline fractures and nothing more. Mm -hmm. So cuts the cuts the uh, time in the cast down quite significantly there. And yeah, lots of um, hospital visits, um, experimental um, drug trials and stuff, and lots of. Physiotherapy all over the years
0: through growing up, so however, it's been it's, did, been it's been been uh, predominantly your um like limbs limbs yes. suffered the most most of the breaks. Yes.
1: Yeah, done done a few few ribs growing up, a um, few fingers when I started playing sport, but mainly arms and legs. Yeah, wow. so that sort of as I've grown, that's then turned into restrictions within my arms. It's probably quite hard to see on the screen now, but I've got quite a um, significant like arm curvatures, mm-hmm. um, elbow restrictions, shoulder restrictions, um, limited spine movement. So got very limited core function. Mm-hmm. Uh, can't really weight bear on my legs. Uh, fractured both of my hip sockets, ball socket joints. So that then affects the way my hips turn and move. And same with my legs and my knees and my ankles as well.
0: So you do you use a wheelchair, don't you, for the most Yes, part. I'm a full-time wheelchair user. So are you able to walk at all? Or is that something that's no. sort of, no, not at all?
1: When I was very young, I was able to wait there. Mm-hmm. And I used a walking frame very, very limitedly like under physiotherapy guidance. But mm-hmm. after I had the surgery for the rods, it became impossible for me to stand and walk.
0: Well, it's got to be tough. So what were some of the things that mainly caused the breaks then? Um, so Would it have had to have been a fool or could it have been literally It could have been bumped. the,
1: It was like, best way to explain it's like you're sort of a uh, origami sort of um, little figurine sort of thing where you're so delicate at such a young age and mm-hmm. um, simple things like my mum changing my clothes would result in a fracture. Wow. Very, very delicate things like that. Even though my mum was obviously very careful trying to do it, the smallest little thing would of course a fracture about them.
0: Jeez. And that's got to be quite tough, especially for your mum. I guess she was uh, yeah. Extremely yeah, you know, extremely cautious. It
1: affects, affects, I think any parent of someone with OI, mm-hmm. it affects a lot of understanding and a lot of patience and a lot of mental strength for them. Sort of raise a child with this sort of disability, I find. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you know, my mum worked really hard and did an awesome job, really, I think, uh, under the circumstances. But back then, as well, the the knowledge and the medical advice that was available was very limited. Mm. So,
0: there
1: wasn't not even that, I think, I think the, also
0: the su- the support and the community behind it as well. Because, uh, obviously, going back um, a few years, uh, there wasn't obviously the internet, or there was the internet, but it wasn't the sort of resources that not, really available.
1: Too, so, yeah, there wasn't really much available. Um, mm. I like quite lucky that my Doctor, it wasn't really a specialist, but the consultant that I was under at Wigan Hospital, he yeah. was, I remember the name for the life of me, but he was um, golfing buddies with um, someone who was studying and specializing in uh, bone disease. And okay. he then Into um, specializing in brittle bone disease and that. So through the consultant that I had, he then put me through the channels of the specialist and I went from uh, being under a Wigan consultant to also being under a specialist at Sheffield Children's Hospital. Mm-hmm. Only, you know, a bit, bit of luck in there and um, the right golfing buddies along the way. And
2: uh,
1: <laughs> they uh, looked after me and got me um, some top quality treatment as I was growing oh, up. Wow.
0: So what did you, did you find with your condition? Did it progress... Uh, or, or did did you find it got better as you was getting older? Like in regards to your bones were getting stronger, um, especially as you was developing. Um...
1: Yeah, so from a very young age up until probably twelve years old, I had to be very well not just me, not me per se, but people around me had to be very mm. careful of what I was doing because any sort of impact or fall or um, sudden sort of thing to my skeleton could have caused a fracture
2: mm.
1: and you know what kids are like growing up they like to run around <laughs> and cause trouble um jumping up things climbing up things they shouldn't yeah. mess, you know what I mean and you know it's natural you're gonna I'm a child with brittle bones is gonna have a fracture
0: yeah.
1: and the the prevailing sort of answer to that is to wrap them in cotton wool mm. so it was a lot, there was a lot of fractures and there was a lot of protection there. But as I got older, it became less and less frequent. And mm. it became a battle for me to sort of prove to my teachers, my mom, my family, and um, people around me that I'm okay doing these things. And yeah. there was a treatment and had the surgeries. I was getting stronger, and the treatment was helping increase my bone strength. And I was able to do more and more and more. So oh, so so 18 years old to be honest that was when yeah. i came to a point where it was like my bone density is on a level of someone my age and height
0: mm-hmm. so how did you how did you find it in yourself with um little growing up with that like, was you very hesitant to like take part in sports or was you more you just wanted to behave as like a a normal a normal child and run around like all the other kids and
1: me, it was, it was the norm, you know. I think mm. you look at someone like myself born with a disability, mm. I didn't do any different. I grew up, this is a normal childhood, a normal upbringing. Yeah, these that I face are normal challenges for any kid, and ignorance is bliss, really, because you just, you just don't know what other people are living like, and mm. you just, you know, you just want to have fun. Mm. And it was just normal for me, I, I just wanted to run around, play have fun and make friends and, you know, join in with the other kids. I think, I, I do remember instances, because I went to a special needs school, at Miro mm-hmm. school, for 12 years. I do remember instances where the teachers were reluctant for me to take part in certain physical activities. And I remember sort of being, being the little rebel that I was. <laughs> like, no, I can do that. I, I want to join in and sort of really push into joining with other disabled kids yeah. in a PE environment. Um, looking back on it, I find it quite funny that, you know, you, I was at special needs school, and even with having a special need myself, I was not, – not segregated. I think that's a strong word, but it, it, I was sort of held away from sport a little bit for the fear mm. of fracturing. Yeah. You know? and, and, I, I and that was I, by
0: others, not necessarily yourself, do you think? Yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah, but I understand the reasons why, and i Mm. i i would I would totally do the same thing in their position. But I think to sort of see the journey I've later gone on in sport, I find it quite a funny start, a funny beginning.
0: Yeah, I think well for yourself as a coach, you know, like when when we're running classes, um, someone will come in, and whether that's an injury, it could be a very like surface level injury, or it could be something a lot deeper. Um, You have to adjust the movements, etc. for the Yes. for that individual and and the same yeah. for yourself and maybe it could, because of the lack of knowledge um with the with the PE teachers yeah. of how to handle it maybe they couldn't necessarily think of how to adapt it and it was a case of like rather than uh doing an alternative version just n- don't take part at all because we don't want to be responsible for your injuries yeah. and for you to yeah. get hurt yeah
1: I think it's worth saying though as well it wasn't like all physical activity it was, it was like certain Yeah, maybe
0: more contact yeah. Yeah,
1: Yeah. but yeah, Um, like I was saying, went to special needs school for 12 years and then Mm -hmm. I progressed over to a mainstream education my last three years. And at that point, uh, there was a lot of, um, a a lot of pioneering went on then because it was at a time when um, the government was looking to have more inclusivity in the education, and mm-hmm. not have special needs schools, SEM schools, and able bodied schools. You know, people with no disabilities. You know, having the two separate. They wanted to bring them both together. So mm-hmm. I was part of some of the first few people to make that merge into one school. Oh, wow. And when that when that happened, there was a great PE teacher that I had at the time. I think his name was Mister Turley. I remember rightly and um, he he was brilliant he was when, when when we started they went on a lot of courses about teaching PE to kids with special needs and that mm-hmm. and they were taught very much how to encourage them to get involved and feed them along and keep them positive and just make them feel included they didn't expect um, someone like myself coming bashing the doors open right <laughs> what we're we playing here what we're we doing come on let's go was getting stuck in with everyone. And I remember him saying um as I left school in year eleven, it's like when you came in that first day, I weren't expecting that sort of attitude from someone with a disability. And then I was like, right, I need to forget everything I learned on these courses. I need to think right, how can I get Daniel involved? How can Mm. you know, how can he join in in the football, in the rugby, in the badminton, tennis? squash, whatever sport they were doing at school, I wanted to join in with them. So he, he, had the, he had to then quickly switch it up and think, right, it's not about just encouraging them to do anything. It's about getting them to do everything with everyone else. Yeah. Yep. And I was adamant straight off the bat when I learned about GCSEs because at SEN school, I didn't know anything about GCSEs. And I was like, I want to do a GCSE in PE. I want to have a, I want to have a qualification for. It physical education and at the time there was no criteria for someone with a disability to go mm. and do PE and get a qualification in it so he had to go to the local PCSE board um, I think it's called OCR back then and put forward a means of assessing me or assessing someone with a disability because it was me and two other lads in my year group and we were, we were all keen on sport and he was a massive, Mr. Turley was a massive uh, push to get that put through. And without him, I wouldn't have been able to have a PE qualification at school. Um, and yeah, you know, it was only, it was probably only going back 10 years ago, 15 years ago, probably actually. And, you know, there was nothing really specific for a disabled person in a wheelchair to yeah. do a
0: GSE. Because that's the thing. If you, if you've got that sort of uh, that format of already how to assess people within within like a PE uh, GCSE, like what f- you, you've got to create a, almost like a new way of assessing because yes. you're not going to yeah. be able to do some of the things exactly the same yeah. as their requirements. So it's like, oh, you oh, can't do that. Does that mean he fails? No, but he can do it like this. So
1: yeah.
0: does that mean he passes? So,
1: if I remember rightly, I'm going back a long time. Like I said, but there was an element of um, High jump and a long jump.
0: Okay,
1: I'm not doing a high jump and a long jump. <laughs> you know, so it's like right, forget them, scrap them off, mm-hmm. forget them. Let's do something adaptive. Okay, so I believe we did did like hundred meter push race sort of thing. Uh, we did te- table tennis, mm-hmm. um, badminton. We did some rugby stuff, I think, and then we did tabletop cricket. Don't know if you've ever heard of that. No, I haven't, no. No, so it's it's an adaptive sport made by the Lord Taverners Association to get Mm -hmm. people involved in cricket. And um, we were really big on that back then. And um, they managed to get that put into the criteria for the GCSE assessment. Mm-hmm. So we we were very lucky. We went to Old Trafford and played tabletop cricket there. Went down to Lords and played played it there. Represented the oh, team there. I've literally just wrote it down. By the way, I'm
0: going to go and research yeah. this straight away.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's a really good sport. It's, it's it was uh, created by a guy up in the northwest. Um, I can't remember his name. Doug Doug something Doug Williams, I think, okay. um, from like the northwest area, and um, he created this sport. For people to, to get involved in cricket, mm-hmm. and it, the, the Lord, the Lord has took it on and made it into a national competition. And then from that, it, I think I, I do believe it is still going, but it's, because it's become a national competition, and people with high levels of disability, like cerebral palsy, all the way to like any sort of coordination disability and wheelchair users, play this sport. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. I, we went for seven years playing it down the uh, lords I think I got selected for England to represent the England team in that like four or five years in a row so mm-hmm. it was um, you know, it was a very young age you know in very limited opportunity it was a good opener into sport to
0: yeah and especially competitive, competitive sport as well I yeah. guess um, yeah. because it's, it's learning that you, you can sort of take part in certain sports, but you, if you want to play like a proper competitive team sport as well, um, that would be a great sort of like a yeah. stepping stone, almost.
1: Yeah, yeah. And from from that, like it just it, it just it builds people. You know, the social aspect of sport, the yeah. competitive element of sport, uh, and I think it's just sort of that confidence to put yourself out there and take mm. that.
0: Yeah, I think that's super important as well. Like with with yeah. sports and and the competitive side, the social side as well. You're building that community of people, yeah. people that enjoy yeah. one thing, and it's you know, um, you're making friends for and you're meeting other yeah. people maybe in similar situations to yourself, yeah. and it's sort of like, oh wow, okay, I'm not just in this alone. Like there's other people like me, and, yeah. or if not like similar, um, that yeah. I can sort of learn from, and they can potentially learn from yeah. me as well.
1: And I remember it was it was very much a um, it was made into like a, a big trip because. Being in Wigan, it was like a four-hour drive down to London. So we used to mm. get on, get a minibus, drive down the day before, stop over at Stoke Mandeville, and like have a night there, and then we'd go from there into London. You know, and so it's like a proper
0: a- proper event. You'd go out, and yeah. like have like food and drinks, maybe, yeah, and then you'd yeah.
1: go. You know, we have our own team kit and that, and you know, it, you socialise. Yeah, you know, if, if you you grow up watching Manchester United mm-hmm. and. Uh, Wigan Warriors or whatever sports team you follow, you know, you you, you aspire to be like them and to be like Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, yeah. Messi, Lebron James. Um, you know, for a inde- disabled person, then especially back then, then role models weren't there. So to have something similar where you could be like, well, I'm like Cristiano Ronaldo, maybe
0: we're going off in our team coach. Well, yeah, if, if there's if there's nothing else like that, then you're almost. That role model, if if people are going to follow you and watch you yeah. do it, then you're you're the the yeah. first of of them role yeah. models, yeah.
1: Yeah, and you know we, we we felt like you know we're we're going to go down on a team coach, we're going to you know we're going to play these teams, we're going to win, we're going to give it our best shot, and you know and we were only probably the youngest of us was like eight and nine up until I think the age limit was about sixteen, mm-hmm. so you know for that young age you know it's when sport has its massive impact on your life and it leaves that impression for you. And mm. to have that as a starting basis, definitely set the tone for myself going on into my sporting career and my coaching career. Mm. Yeah, um, I've sort of digressed a little bit, but... Um, <laughs> no, no, no. That sport was able to be put into GCSE criteria to be assessed for myself to go and get a GCSE. Um, so, yeah, that was um, that was sort of a big big thing for me back then.
2: Mm.
1: Way back then. Um, And yeah, from there, I went on to uh, Wigan and Lee College, Mm -hmm. studied a national diploma in sport coaching. At that point, I was set that I want to be involved in sport. That was it. Your your mind was made up. (laughs) This was my journey. But at that age, I knew I couldn't, well, I felt, I should say, I couldn't take part in sport and have Mm -hmm. a meaningful sporting career at that time. So I wanted to go down the coaching route and be the man behind the team. Yeah, Um, you know, put put bring these groups of people together and set them off to success. You know, that was my aspiration. You know, to be like a a, um, Pep Guardiola or Jurgen Klopp, sort of person. You know, they were my role models. Yeah, then it was more (laughs) so Alex Ferguson back then, not Pep Guardiola. But yeah. so yeah, Brinton did um, a diploma in sports coaching. Did three years, I think. There, uh, I think two, two, three years to get that. I'm going to go two years. Two years, sorry, two years mm-hmm. to do that, and then the opportunity to do a degree in sports coaching at UCLAN University became a, an option. I mm-hmm. think very much with me, I never, I never had like a, a goal at the start where I was like. Coming from school, and I was like, right, I want to go to university and do this. I never really thought. Was was
0: was was, was university never really something that you had in your vision or in your in your sights at that time?
1: Okay,
0: so I'm sorry.
1: I was I kept it very much the next step at a time. Never Mm -hmm. thought about uni. Never, never even crossed my mind in the slightest. But I wanted to get the next qualification and then see what was available. You know, once I got that, what's the next step along the journey? What's happening next?
0: So how did you find that transition between going from school? Because obviously in school, they created these ways of assessing you um, and obviously to be able to give you the qualifications. Did they have the similar sort of uh, systems in place at college and at university?
1: I think, again, I was very lucky at college because I had some really great people uh, teaching me and mentoring me. They're mm-hmm. very open minded people as well. They weren't regimented to the criteria for assessments that mm. they had. And they were very much having an open dialogue with me about what I wanted to do and how I felt it was best to push forward. I, I already had some coaching experience going into college. So I felt like I already had, I was a step ahead of my peers at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a, a bit more confidence in what I was doing um, it was very much the the academical side of things where I found a challenge at the time and mm-hmm. sort of just learning to you know plan you know you, you, you plan uh, what's it called now can never remember the, the three things you've done for that long plan, deliver, review
2: mm-hmm. the
1: three you know the, the, the three um, pillars of coaching and um, you know, that was sort of the more learning about that side of things, improving my planning skills, improving my review skills and my feedback skills, which is very much where I was rooted at college. Um, deliver it. I I basically told the tutors, you know, I can do it. Let me let me do it my way. It's gonna look a little different.
2: Mm-hmm. It's
1: gonna be a little more orthodox, but i I can promise you I can get the same results as uh, John or Bob, you know, the else yeah. delivered um, But yeah, they were very open-minded and very, uh, they, they, I think they enjoyed this as much as me, you know, in a sense. Very
0: of, accommodating. Yeah. And I think I think that's the beauty of sports as well, and especially coaching or personal training, we, we we can be very open-minded and we are problem solvers um, yeah. because someone will come into you with a problem and you've got to solve it. Like They would say, right, if, whether it's weight loss, whether it's they want to get faster, whether it's want to get better at a sport, then you've got to look at that person and everyone's on a, an individual basis. And yeah. you've got to say, right, how are we going to address this? What do you need to work on here? And then what do we need to work on here? What do we need to work on here? And I think yeah. that maybe would have helped. Maybe if it was a different subject that you went into, um, they might not have had that same level of... Uh, open-mindedness
1: yeah 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 I, I agree I definitely would yeah. agree I think definitely though with sport as well we put ourselves so much more out there physically so yeah. you you open that door to be critiqued for your physical performance mm-hmm. you know you, you whether your your movements around the group the, your body language your um up the equipment things like that It's going to be a challenge for someone in a wheelchair with a disability. But there's ways around it. And if the assessors are understanding that things are going to look a little different, then, (laughs) you know, for me, there's not really a barrier there then in that sense. Mm. So um, a job like being an IT technician, you know, mm -hmm. you are very much sat there typing away. So physically, there's not the same demands on you. Hmm. whereas obviously different disabilities obviously then come to different demands but very much I think in a sports industry you're looking more at the physical
0: side. So, so what, what, what would your advice be for someone, say someone is in a wheelchair and maybe thinks they can't get into coaching because of potentially like uh, as you just said setting up equipment, um, demonstrating certain movements, um, what would your advice be to them and how have you yourself um, adapted this?
1: Hmm.
0: Is that a tough question?
1: I, I think very much some of it's gotta be like <laughs> your mindset. Yeah. Like, like you you're that sort of person that's not gonna let a challenge deter you,
2: mm-hmm.
1: then I, I think you've got to sort of for yourself a bit in the deep end in that sense then give it yeah. a go. Fail. Because you will fail. There will be times where you will make mistakes, you will struggle at stuff, but understand the lessons to be learned from that. Mm-hmm and then come away, review what you've done, how can I do it better next time? I think for someone who is wanting to be involved in it and to do it but is lacking that self-confidence, I think very much slowly, slowly, you know, do one thing at a time, Set practice setting up equipment, you know, have a dummy run. If you're doing a fitness class, a circuit class, you know you're going to be using bear bells, kettlebells. Um... um any sort of equipment, any sort of equipment. Practice setting it up. Set up the equipment as if you was going to do that class. Put it there. Put it in place. Time how long it takes to set it up. Get an understanding for how long it takes you to do something. Then next time, think right. I struggled setting up that bear belt because of this and this. Um, maybe like you had the clips. You know what? You put the weight. The weight. You dump the plates on and you clip it on. Maybe yeah, you struggle yeah. with the clips. Maybe you need a different type of clip that sort of. You know, you flip open and. It slides on and off a little bit easier, understand that, get them type of clips that you need. If um struggling to move the weight of kettlebells into position, is there someone around that can help you? Is there another personal trainer in your venue? Is there another coach that you're working with? Have you got an assistant coach? Can they do some of the donkey work for you? You know, using what's around you, you know, understanding you don't as a coach, you don't have to do all the physical work yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, you can use people um
0: but plan, just plan, plan, plan. And I think that's the same, um, regardless whether you're um, you're in a wheelchair, like I think planning is key. We, we plan, we plan our sessions ahead. We plan our, um, I, I know I always turn up at least minimum 20 minutes early to a class um, for that particular reason. Because if you come in and someone's left it a bit of a mess the night before and you're like, oh my God, I've got to clean all this up. And um, yeah, and, and I would and it wouldn't necessarily be viable, like, especially if you're doing like an SNC class to um, get everyone's barbells out. So you maybe, you do your whiteboard talk at the start. You'll say, right, this is what the session is. Uh, this is how it's running. Right, guys, grab yourself X, Y, Z and get your station set up. Um, and I think especially uh, like during COVID, it's been a little bit of a, a godsend for a lot of PTs because a lot of the equipment's getting cleaned as yeah. you go. Although people were still cleaning, you know, not to the level they're doing now because after every session, it's like wipe down your equipment, Uh clean up the plates, clean up the, the, the barbells, et cetera. And um well, and yeah, you're right, it's it's planning. It's key yeah. It's planning.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. And conting- contingency planning as well, you know, because if things go wrong and you can't do something, understanding right, I can I can get this exercise done instead. I can do something else. I can use another piece of equipment. And I think that way then you 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 stop yourself from being flustered. Mm. And you know you've always got that backup plan in place. Yeah. yeah, it's
0: that experience. Now, I've, I've definitely been there a few times in my earlier, uh, early in my career, where you've gone into a session, you've gone right. I've got my session planned out to a T. This is going to be perfect. And then um, you get to the session, and then something like I don't know, maybe there's an extra person turns up, or I don't know. There's you're outside and it's raining. Oh my god! Like what do I do? Like I've planned this session for uh, no rain. It's raining. God. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so always having that that little contingency plan um, definitely definitely helps a hundred percent.
1: Uh, it's just one of them like you know If anyone watching this is wanting to get involved in coaching you know there's so many people that are successful with a disability that's doing it doing it at a high level you know you've got the Paralympics coming up in the next week or two you know there's going to be so many disabled coaches they're just you know everyone focuses on the athletes but the coaches are quite often disabled as well you know yeah. so you know look at that side of things look at what you know what, how are they doing? Are they, are they using yeah. any sort of special piece of equipment to all things? Are they, um, oh, yeah. you know, they have a whiteboard so they're not having to demonstrate? Sorry, <laughs> hang on a minute. Yeah, you know, there's, there's, there's a pathway for everyone. Is um, yeah. there's, there's not a one size fits all approach for everyone. Hmm. So just keep that open mind. And you know, use your environment to the best of your abilities. You know, whether you know mm-hmm. people, if you know another coach who's doing it as well. Show yeah. them. I'm sure they'd be very much wanting yeah. to help further along another coach.
0: Yeah, and I'd imagine you've been a massive inspiration to a lot of other, other guys out there. this. So I've got a I like young to lad. I'm work- oh, sorry.
1: I like to think so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I've got a young lad I work with at the moment, and um, he's got a CP, and he's in a wheelchair as well and uh, one of the things he wants to do is he wants to become a coach
2: really?
0: but he's very I think he's very cautious thank you, and <laughs> thank you. yeah <laughs> he's very cautious and a little bit nervous that um, how is he going to do this so I think definitely after this I'm going to send this straight to him and say yeah. watch this video this guy yeah. will inspire you because he's done it he's, he's just proved yeah. everybody wrong
1: it, it's I'm sure if you do podcasts you're probably going to hear a similar thing but for me, I don't aim to go out and inspire someone. You know, yeah. that's, I go out and be the best version of me tomorrow. And if I can get someone to you know to think, wow, if he can do that, I can do it. And that's brilliant. You know that makes me feel better about myself. Yeah. And, you know because you're doing this because you circle. love the industry. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it, it's a really it's a, it's a thankful circle where I'm doing something I love. And then that helps someone else feel better because they're seeing me do it. And then I feel even better about myself because then I'm seeing them do it because, you know, it, it just feeds into you and pushes you on so much.
0: You know, I 100% I completely agree with that. Um, and this is one of the reasons I love what I do. It is, you, you see the best in people in this industry. And uh, yeah. I don't think I've ever had someone come through my doors and not be in a good mood to be in the gym it's like right i'm in the gym i'm ready to train and as you said yeah like you you train that person they go away happy and maybe you put a video up of them training and then someone else sees that and they're inspired by it and and it's just as you said that knock-on effect knock-on effect knock-on effect and yeah although you don't necessarily go right i want to be a inspiration i want to be a uh a, a motivational speaker or anything like that you inadvertently do because of the work you do yeah yeah hmm. definitely 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 um so for, for yourself, you coach. Do you predominantly coach um, people with disabilities, or do you coach able-bodied, or is it is it a mixture? It's anyone and everyone. Yeah. So because I follow I, you on Instagram, and obviously I've seen some of your sessions, and they look awesome, man. Like I would, uh, I definitely reckon you could put us through my paces.
1: Yeah, I try my best. You know, <laughs> I I very much have the the um, the mantra of I'll train someone the way I train myself. Yeah. You know, so I'm, I'm gonna push you hard. I'm gonna. Expect a lot from you, Mm -hmm. but then in return, you're going to get a lot out of that. Um, I'd say probably 80% of my clientele are disabled in Mm -hmm. some way. Uh, At the minute, the majority of that are people out of the sport of wheelchair rugby. So that's where my background is in wheelchair rugby from competing as an athlete. I've -hmm. made that progression as a coach, and now there's more of an SNC trainer in that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I've got a couple of people who are just sort of wanting to become more independent through their disability
2: Got
1: mm-hmm. um, a young lad with CP who's wanting to get better at his transferring in out of know, his day chair um, just be more be more confident if he needs to get out of his wheelchair if he falls out of his wheelchair on a day I hope to get back into his wheelchair safely if there's no one around so very much help and safety sort of spin on that
0: like f- more, yeah. f- more functional or, or, like for, for someone's day-to-day living rather than um, yeah. necessarily sports specific
1: yeah yeah mm. definitely um, he does also play sport as well he plays um, wheelchair football okay yeah so we're going to be looking at doing some things towards that and helping his coordination and his reaction times mm-hmm. so going to get a little bit more sport specific as we go along and down the road but very much starting off with of that independence and that functional based training Mm.
0: That's cool. Uh, That's really cool.
1: And then yeah, I coach uh, a couple of able people, helping them with weight loss, and uh, and then here where I train the PT studio, uh, <laughs> I help out on the evening classes. So we do mm. um, classes. We do. I've probably shared some things that we've seen them online, but we have like the eight-week challenges, the ten-week um, body transformation challenges, and that. And we run evening classes for that, so I help out on some of the circuit-based classes in the mm-hmm. evenings, and running some of them. Yeah, cool. so,
0: that's
1: so- that's a full able-bodied clientele that are attending them classes.
0: Mm-hmm. So, how how do you feel, um, especially as you said with this class here? How does how do people normally perceive you when they're coming into the class and they go, "Oh, this is your coach for today"?
1: <laughs> um, what sort of? I think this, this gym is a very special gym in the sense of we get anyone and everyone wanting to come and work on themselves and it's very much a community based mm-hmm. environment here. I think me being a disabled coach probably fits the criteria of this gym perfectly because there's no sort of pre, pre-existing opinions or um, barriers for me to come and coach them. They're confident with anyone coaching them of mm-hmm. any shape or size, and they know that they're going to get quality coaching. Um, I think it's just that understanding of everybody looks different. I think with myself being short statured, so I'm three foot seven. Um, I was like a wheelchair user as well. Mm-hmm. It probably helps some of them feel at ease about their bodies a little bit as well. Yeah, because
0: yeah. it can be quite intimidating going to a coach, and especially if they're like, I know I've seen coaches and I am quite tall myself. I'm I'm six five and and seeing someone that's maybe taller than me, um like you know, massive, and you're sort of looking, you're like, oh, this is a bit intimidating. And it can um it can put yeah. a lot of people off of even stepping into a gym. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah, like body bodybuilding gyms, like big, big guys walking around, yeah. you know.
1: Yeah, definitely, no, And I think it's just, it, just, it just helps people feel at ease isn't that, you know, everyone's welcoming, everyone's dead nice. Yeah. I like to think I'm the exact same and probably that first, the first week or so, people are like, oh, who's this person? Yeah, this new coach coming in here. Yeah. But I think it's like anyone, it's someone's new there. They're a bit, you know, like, who are they? What are they about? Get to know mm. them. Oh, they're nice. They're really lovely. You know, and once you sort of go over that introduction with people, it, it's like, like mm. anyone else really. I think people, people forget, the wheelchair, people forget disability and it's just oh it's Danny mm.
0: Yeah and it's because I can, I can clearly hear by the way you're talking you're very passionate about it and people do feed off on that. they hear yeah. you're passionate about what you do and you genuinely care about the people you coach
1: Yeah you know sports might have been my life for the last 15 years mm. so I, I it's the journey's took a different route than I've expected to be honest but I've always done stuff I've enjoyed. I'd never mm-hmm. do something. If I woke up tomorrow and I didn't enjoy doing this anymore, I wouldn't do it. Simple as that. Because then my all wouldn't be in it. Mm.
0: That's it. And I've always said to people, if you get into this, uh, into this industry for any other reason, other than the, if you're getting into this industry for the money, it's, it's not going yeah. to be there. But if you get into it for the passion, like you, you'll, you'll be a successful yeah, coach. Yeah,
1: yeah, you will definitely, and helping other people ultimately, you know, if if someone's coming through this door and uh, the heaviest they've ever been, or if the you know once struggling with the confidence with the disability, if they're wanting you know to go and progress and compete internationally in a certain sport, if if they come in wanting that goal, I'm going to give my all to them, and be like, mm. right, we're going to get through that. And if they then make it and they lose that way, they hit, get getting selected for that team or you know, do whatever, then I I'm winning out of that because yeah, I want to see them there, I want to see them succeed and it's mm. as much as them for it's, themselves. It's,
0: it's, it's your work in, and take pride in your work. And if, if yeah. your work is getting that result and, yeah. and that person like ultimately you've improved their quality of life yeah. or or whether they've made it onto the team, et cetera, like you've you've that's that's it. That's what you that's what you're in this for. Yeah. And if you've achieved that, then that's it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. it's amazing. So obviously you mentioned about um, with, uh, w- w- where you was growing up and the different sports you was playing. So in regards to your own training now, so within maybe a gym environment, how have you adapted that personally for yourself, your own training?
1: So it's very much an outside-the-box thinking. Hmm. I, I, I'm sort of looking at what I'm trying to get out of my training. Um, I'm very good I've got an awesome uh, gym partner in Steve Berlow the guy who owns this place Uh Uh, we work really hard on um, he's sat over there listening in (laughs) Um, we we work really hard on what the end result is going to be so if I'm wanting to increase my power my strength then we're going to create a programme that's going to work on that and same for endurance um, flexibility mobility that so i'm sort of looking at them in components i'm thinking right okay how can i get that what challenges are in my way so i'll give you one example how triceps mm-hmm. so with my shoulder restriction my elbow restriction i have very limited tricep movement mm-hmm. my arm. i am and only lift my arm that high above my head
2: so mm-hmm.
1: a tricep extension is near impossible for me mm-hmm. so right Understanding, you okay, buddy. You're back again. You're saying hello. So, it's looking at um, how can I get that tricep movement in? That yeah, kind of my head to do that. Yeah, if you can't
0: get that full extension,
1: yes. So, mm-hmm. we played around with a few things a lot again, a lot of trial and error, like I mentioned before in the coaching aspect. But you know, we're trial and error with a lot of things, and we decided, right, we're going to use a lot of gravity based stuff using the band. Mm -hmm. gets that movement as near to perfect as possible with that restriction being taken into account and we're getting as much muscle activation with that movement as possible as well. Mm -hmm. And it probably took us a couple of months just trying different things, but it was that idea of not getting discouraged and just, you know, being really creative in what we're doing. Mm.
0: And I think for me, that's one of the most rewarding parts of... uh of working with individuals with disabilities. And it's it's like a puzzle because everyone's case is slightly different. Yeah. And you are, it's that trial and error. So it's not like you you find one system that works for all. It's, it's you have a sort yeah. of a template, but that template is gonna change drastically between clients. Yeah. And um, that's that's one thing that keeps me engaged and, and so driven in working yeah. with individuals with disabilities. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, definitely, 100%. Um, I think sorry about that. Um I <laughs> so think crappy. I think you know you, you've gotta you've gotta be happy to be out of your comfort zone in this. Mm. And, and you know, to, like what you just said then about you know trying these different things, it's taking you out of your comfort zone as a coach, as a PT, mm. and you know, you are gonna you're not gonna have the answers ultimately. And I think mm. that's probably a really uh, frightening thing to say as a coach and as a PT you know naturally we, we want to have the answers when someone comes up to us with any sort of question we want to be able to say oh yeah do this yeah do that but to to say I don't know let's try this let's mm. do this see what happens it's a it's a scary thing
0: I and, think people respect you think, more so for that if you yeah. if someone was to come up to you and say look this is what I want to do um and you got and you don't know the answer like for you to turn around and go, oh my God, I've never heard of that. Or I don't really know what to do in that situation. Give me a couple of days, give me yeah. a number. I'll come back to you and, and yeah. we'll figure this out. Or yeah. have you got 10 minutes? Let's go and have a chat. Let's have a little play around see if we can yes. figure this out. And uh, yeah. yeah, definitely people will really respond well to that.
1: Yeah. And this is what it's all about for me. I, Whenever I get someone new working with me, I will test them, listen, the first month we're going to be trying a lot of things. We're going to learn mm-hmm. about what you can do, what you can't do. I know we can have conversations about it, but there's also these physical things where you might not you might be able to do things you don't realize you can do. You know, there might be things happening with your body physiologically that you're compensating for, that then it's getting the same movement in. So we need to understand what's your body doing, why are they doing it, and then understanding okay, we're gonna isolate this, this, and this, then we can get this movement in, then we're working on this muscle group. So very much that month or so is just that just learning about the person and understanding them because i could have three people with serene palsy all three can be completely different hmm. so i you know you need to understand as a coach as a PT, that that disability just because you're getting someone when they ring you up and say yeah i've got such a disability um can you train me you say, yeah yeah great but then when they come through the door You've got to understand right although they've got the same disability that i've worked with a million times before they will be different than, than a million people have come in the past hmm. and again that first month learning them as an individual physically and you know emotionally you know learning what they like what they don't like and like we talk talked about physically as well
0: hmm and what sort, what sort of barriers do you think you've came up with some of the biggest barriers in regards to that sort of training
1: me training myself
0: uh, no, no with 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 others with um with others with, yeah
1: um, you know what I've, never, I've probably never really faced that challenge yet mm. because like, have it, you have you had
0: someone come through the door and you've gone mm, I don't know if I can work." with you.
1: Um no. no. Not yet. Not yet. I'm very much it's it's her because I think I think to answer honestly, I'm I put myself across on social media as quite an ugly person and mm-hmm. quite a bubbly fun guy. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> um so I think I attract them sort of people. Yeah foremost um i think secondly if you're gonna come to a gym environment you're gonna you're gonna want to you're already putting yourself out of your comfort zone a little bit just to come mm-hmm. turn up so i think once you're sort of there i think anything else is a little bit easier you know mm-hmm. doing any movements any exercises becomes a little bit easier getting you through the door is probably the hardest bit i would i've had people i'm sure you've had many people they've Contacted you, wanted a consultation. Excuse me, and then not turned up. You mm-hmm. know, straight off the bat, then that answers my question: that, Are they committed? Do they really want to do this? Are they wanting to better themselves? Yes or no? You know, we want to help everyone we can, but if they're not going to turn up, what can we do, really?
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, you can only do so much as a coach. You've yeah. got to that individual's got got to want to apply themselves.
1: Yeah, yeah, you know, don't get me wrong. I've had people turn up that have had bad days and feeling a bit lethargic uh, and not motivated. But once you sort of get them going, you find that they forget about the, the day-to-day troubles and what's going on at home and that. And, you know, they become more invested in getting that sweat on when they're here.
2: Hmm.
0: Yeah. So um you, at the moment, you play, you play wheelchair rugby? Yes. How are you so, finding that? Because uh, the, the first guy... I heard on the podcast, Josh, you play um, you play with him.
1: Yeah, so uh, me and Josh, um, we we started playing around the same time, actually. Um, cool. In a month of one another. And um, we've developed through the pathway together. Um, mm-hmm. Played the same club team. We went up into the GBW talent pathway together and developed through all that. Um, then Josh obviously had a bit of time out and I carried on playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've been, been playing with Josh, you know, probably coming up to 10 years. Wow, a long while. Yeah, so, how, been, how, how have you found out yourself? A few away together as well, and that, and yeah. quite a bit. And probably, it's probably something I can't really mention on the podcast, but <laughs> a few funny stories. But um, yeah, that's some good times together.
0: Oh, awesome.
1: Um, yeah. Um, so, is, is that
0: is that a weekly thing you guys do together? Do you train weekly? Do you train? Is it a. So,
1: our club team, West Coast Wheelchair Rugby Club, we train once a week at the minute mm-hmm. in Leyland due to COVID. We're based in Southport normally. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of COVID restrictions at the hospital we can't train there anymore so we're currently in Leyland we do one session there and then I put on group PT sessions for a lot of the lads at the training club and they come to me probably get the majority of the club so they come down and train with me mm-hmm. do a couple of hours here
0: so how, how, how have you found playing wheelchair rugby yourself obviously with um, having Brittle Bones Uh Rugby is a contact sport. <laughs> yeah. So, how have you personally found that?
1: To start with, it was completely unexpected. I never expected to play wheelchair rugby, it was never yeah. something I planned on. Um, like I mentioned right at the beginning of the podcast, I never saw myself as an athlete. Yeah. And I had that vision of me being a coach yeah. when in that avenue. And I sort of took a bit of a leap of faith, went to wheelchair basketball. My coach from there put me on to wheelchair rugby because I qualified for that, and I, I just never expected I'd be playing the only full contact disability sport in the Paralympics. You know, okay. um, at the time there was two other lads playing the sport with my disability, one lad in Ireland and one lad in Germany. Mm-hmm. So very good players, and they were playing internationally at the time. So when I started playing. The coach I, I had at my club team, who is now the GB coach, very much had that sort of a model in mind, I think, for me. Sort of, if they, you know, if they can play, why can't you play at that level? Hmm. Um, But, yeah, I very much took it one step at a time. I wasn't, wasn't committed to it, to start with. I was very much like, I'll, I'll come and train, I'll give it a go. Do a see
2: couple what of happens. Moments,
1: see what happens. Play my first, like, friendly tournament. I see where I find it and then I'll see if it's for me or not. Got to that point, I loved it, absolutely loved it. But I didn't, it wasn't the physical contact element that I fell in love with, really. I do enjoy it, but it was more the tactical side of things that really hurt mm. my interest. Um, because it's, I don't know if you've watched it being played, seen some videos on YouTube, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's a very hard-hitting, very fast-paced adrenaline-filled sport. Mm. Underneath
0: all that, there's a lot of different tactics going on, a lot of players, a lot of different... I would imagine even more so tactical than like rugby like itself because yeah. you, haven't, you you can't move necessarily the same way as a rugby player would move because you've got, yeah. like, with your chair, you would have to make if, adjustments to go in different directions.
1: On the face of it, it's called wheelchair rugby. Yeah. It takes elements of rugby. However, it takes a lot more elements of a lot of different sports: mm. American football, uh, handball, basketball. It's all of these sports then amalgamated into what it is. Yeah, it's I I like to compare it more so to American football for the tactic element. You you watch American football, and they have all these set plays, these set patterns to break a defense down. And vice versa. Set defences to counteract these patterns, and that is what our sport is. We have set movements, set plays that we use that plays towards people's disabilities and their abilities within mm. the virtues and their roles to then get the end result of scoring the try. Mm. So there's a lot of what ifs. So if this ha- this guy does this thing. I need to know. I need to do this. If this then does that over there, I need to understand. I need to counteract that by doing this. And it's an hour and ten minutes a match of that happening constantly. Mm. So I fell in love with that really, and completely immersed myself in learning the tactics and the technical aspects of the game. Mm. Um, I, like I said, I started off playing at West Coast wheelchair rugby. We have two teams in our club: West Coast Burn our development squad. And West Coast Crash Air Elite team. Started off in the burn team, developed Learn Sport, progressed up into Crash. As I progressed up into the Crash team, I got selected onto the GB Talent Pathway along with Josh. I spent four years a cycle, so after London 2012, this was. Um, so in the build to Rio 2016, was in the Talent Pathway. Then after Rio came, I got selected for the GB elite squad in very dramatic fashion. Um, at my selection camp, I decided to break my leg, <laughs> which was um, fun. Um, luckily, I still got selected, though, as I said. Um, wow. And then not long after, I got selected onto the squad for the European Championships. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, then, didn't make any other tournaments. However, I did get to win a gold medal at the Europeans in 2017. And, you know, highlight my career, uh, been playing a lot of club rugby all around the country, all around the world, um, played all over Europe and been very successful in a lot of that. Um, but yeah, I've um, had a very good, very um, successful rugby career so far, and um, one I'm very proud of, to be honest. And... Hmm. Some it amazing. sounds like you've achieved
0: a lot. It sounds like you've achieved a lot in quite a short period of time. I'm,
1: I'm always wanting to achieve more. I've got, I'm never, I'm never happy with what I've, you know, what I've done is great and I am proud mm. of it, but I want more. I'm, I'm very greedy. I'm very selfish. I want more.
0: <laughs> so what is, what is your vision? What is your, your dream, your ambition? What do you see yourself for the future? As an athlete? I would say as both, an athlete, a coach. In, in as, as an prof. athlete,
1: I want to keep doing what I'm doing keep playing as many tournaments as I can, wherever I can, and win as much as I can. Very simple, like that. You know, I, I just want to win. I, I love winning. In terms of as an athlete, so in terms of a coach, I just want to I want to see people do what I'm doing. Whether if I'm coaching a lot of people in Wheelchair be right now, I want to see them progress up into the GB elite team. Yeah. I want to see them go on to a Paralympics to win a medal for Great Britain, for people who are wanting to become more independent with a disability. I want to see them reach them goals. You know, whoever's, whoever I'm working with, I want to see them reach them goals and become the best version of themselves, ultimately, and help help me become better as well, because I'm still learning as a coach, as a PT. You know, we're, we're always learning. Mm. In this sort of industry. the industry
0: is constantly changing.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I want them to help me become better at this as well. Mm. And I want, I just want to keep going, really, you know, keep enjoying it. Mm. And I've not really got sort of an end goal in mind with this. I'm still, this, this environment, this PT, and I've been doing it since the start of the year. So I'm still, I'm still quite new to this environment. But
0: um, you know i won't take it so i can take it mm. just help as many people as possible yeah. um grow yourself as a coach and learn and uh yeah yeah i can definitely up for myself with that I, i'm always learning like you i don't think you can ever as we, like we said before like if someone comes up to you and says i've got this issue you don't know the answer what are you going to do you write it down you go away you research yeah. the heck out of it i know if i've ever come up to any situation um that, that next morning I've already downloaded a podcast on it or I've already found something yeah. when I'm out with the dogs I'm listening to that podcast I'm not yeah. like okay I need to know everything about this
1: the one thing I've hated with uh, lockdown is the fact that we've not been able to travel as much and do as much in the car to go to tournaments to go to um, training sessions purely because I used to love just sticking a podcast on yeah. having an hour and a half drive and then just sitting and listening to something learning about something and that that was sort of taken away. no mm. no things are opening back up, and we're back training, and that you know, doing a lot of catch up over the last year or two.
0: <laughs> I can I can agree with that one. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things to do is if I've got a long drive, just podcast on. Let's go. Just get some yeah. uh, get some knowledge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cool. So um, course, yeah. Sorry.
1: It's just constant. I think, like you said, you know, if. If I wake up tomorrow and I've got the attitude that I know everything and no one can tell me how to do this better than I'm the way I'm doing it, then, you know, you're done. You're done in the industry. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you've got to, you've got to understand. You've got day. to be humble. You've got to be, day, humble. Yeah, you it. be humble. you be humble. Every day is a school day.
0: Yeah. Oh, 100%, yeah. No, I completely agree with you. So, uh, what would you say for yourself? What inspires you? What keeps you going?
1: I mean, when when you sent me this question, I looked and I I was like, here we go. (laughs) Because
0: there could be a number of things. Yeah. uh, I think
1: that question can look so different to so many Hmm. people. I'll set, start off with, I'll, I'll change it a little bit to start off with. So I'll mm-hmm. say who inspires me. So people who know me know I'm a massive basketball fan. Um, as an athlete, Colby uh, Bryant is probably the pinnacle of motivation and de- determination and commitment.
2: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: the way he sort of applied himself to basketball to be early blitz one of the best basketball players to ever play the sport. You know, day in, day out, you know, you, you see a lot of these motivational videos of himself on YouTube. Um, the Mamba Mentality he talks a lot about, you know, he, he personifies that sort of commitment to a craft. Um, I took a lot of, still do, take a lot of motivation and inspiration from himself. Um, and then when he, when he stopped playing basketball before his tragic death, he went on to coach coaching his daughter's basketball team and setting up um, the Mamba um, academy, I believe it was called, mm-hmm. um, for basketball for women in basketball, and uh, you know he was helping inspire female basketballers to you know become the best that they can and further female basketball as a sport. And, you know, as a coach, he was, you know, he's doing some great things and inspiring others. And, you know, that's something I'm trying to do now, you know, help inspire others, help push others to, you know, be the best athlete that they can be. Um. So, yeah, Colby Bryant's definitely the person that, mo- you know, I try and sort of model myself beyond, uh, sorry, on. Um. But what inspires me on a day-to-day basis I think it's probably the fear of failure. Mm-hmm. You know, I I I don't like losing. I don't like losing. as, as an athlete, I want I want to win, and I I I'll, I'll be pissed if I lose. <laughs> um, and I'll go away. I'll train twice as hard, and I will come back stronger. And the same as a coach, you know, I want to get that person over that line, and. If if they they can't hit their goal or they're struggling to get them last few pounds off the body, if they can't, they, they couldn't get that selection that time for that team. You know, I'm taking the personal responsibility on that and thinking, could I have done something better for them? Could I have better prepared that person? Could I have planned my sessions a little different to help them do that? And very much sort of putting a very much a personal responsibility on seeing them succeed. Mm. And if they win, I win. You know, if they lose, I lose. And I think having that sort of attitude gets me going in the morning, gets my my competitive juices going, because it turns everything then for me into a bit of a competition. You know, I've got a goal to reach, I've got somewhere that needs to be got to, I've Mm. got a target in mind. And I'm going to get there, and I'm going to get there before anyone else gets there.
0: <laughs> I love that attitude. That's a great attitude to have.
1: Yeah, it's it's definitely one of. I think I like to think it can come across as being cocky, as being arrogant, and I, I get that and I understand that. I think though, it's not it's understanding. I'm Say so, so me and you are playing a game of tennis. Mm-hmm. I want to beat you.
0: You I probably will. You. I'm absolutely rubbish at tennis, so you will definitely beat me. There we go. <laughs> the window,
1: I, yeah, go I on. Sorry. Will do, I will do anything I can to beat you. Okay, but not to because I want to beat you, purely because I want to win. I mm. want. You know, I want to go and say, I won that match. I don't care that it was against Craig or it, it was against John, Bill, Bob, Harry, whoever. You know, but I want to be able to say, I've won that. I'm yeah. not going to say who against.
0: It's I, not like I'm, a personal grudge. It's not yeah. like you want to humili- humiliate the other person.
1: Yeah, no. And I would never do that. That would that mm. would never be something i want to do. If I, if I was going around slapping you, um five sets to love, and you weren't getting a single point in any set, then, you know, maybe, maybe, okay, Daniel, you've got to calm down a little bit here, mate. You know, give him a bit of a chance. You know, a bit OTT. But as long as I get the win, you've enjoyed yourself, I'm happy as well. But ultimately, you know, I just want to be able to give myself that target of winning. Mm. You know, if I'm making you come away and feel bad, about it, then I've lost as well in that sense. You know, I've mm. won, but I've lost because that's not my goal. That's not what I want to do as a person, hmm.
2: you know. And yeah.
1: having that moral fortitude and that sort of moral instinct of saying, you know, there's a line here. We 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 play close to the line. We play as close as we can <laughs> to the line. But we don't cross it.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of uh, sports and and fitness and everything. It's we want each other to succeed. Now, I've been in workouts with like some of the coaches I work with. At an S&C gym and we will go into a, a workout like we are going to we want to destroy each other like we want to beat each other but as soon as that workout is over we're all fist bumping we're all high-fiving we're like oh, awesome work next time I'm gonna I'm gonna beat you on that one or and it is that really supportive network of people that that want each other to succeed and and likewise yeah. with sports we like people to play sports that you're not just as you said like to, to completely humiliate someone every time like you're not gonna it's it's not, you know, I'm trying to think of the word. It's it's not going to be uh helpful for what, anyone. What, it's not going to be helpful for you. What are you, you going to get out of it? I would ask yourself. Hmm.
1: You you're humiliating someone. What are you going to get out of it? Nothing.
0: Probably a bad reputation.
1: Yeah, you, you, you're <laughs> gonna you're gonna get a bad reputation. You, you might get you you might, might feel good about yourself for about five minutes. But then what? You know, you, you're gonna go home, and you're probably not gonna have many friends. You're not gonna have the same social interactions Mm. as with other people, because you're going to push people away if you're doing that. So you are just ultimately hurting yourself, I'd say.
0: Mm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, I I can agree with you 100%. And I think your values sit a lot with mine um, in in regards to what inspires me. Um, Not necessarily basketball. I've never really been a fan of basketball. Um, Not saying it's not a great sport. It's a great sport. But uh, yeah, um, the sort of underpinning values are still there, definitely.
1: Yeah, yeah. Mm. I think mean, that's the beauty the, the of sport. There's so much on offer these days, and with the you know with, with internet as well, you know, it's so easily sourced. And you can find mm. you know whether you watch um, Aussie rules football or um, lacrosse, kind of things. Some of these you know lesser known sports in our country, um, gymnastics. You know, there's, there's so much. Like you, you, I don't know if you watched the Olympics the other week. Um, yeah. some of like the BMX and the uh, skateboard. Yeah, there's,
0: there's, there's, there's such you know, a di- diverse type of sport yeah, that can be now within the I
1: thoroughly I, I enjoyed it, to be honest. You know, sitting there and watching these new sports because it, you get a bit of an understanding and you know education on you know how these sports work and you know what's yeah, going on it's, it's a skill,
0: like, to 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 go on a BMX or a skateboard or anything like that. It is a skill. It takes a lot of skill a lot of time. It's, it's
1: an elite athlete in any sport. You have to be committed to it. And I think there's just that element of respect that comes along with that, then. That, you know, these guys have trained for the last four or five years to become an Olympian, to go to Tokyo, to represent the country at a sport, a sport I've never seen before. But straight off the bat, because of that, I respect them for that massively. Mm.
0: And you that know, passion, keep, that drive to turn up yeah. every day and to do it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And know as a spectator, I'm sat here watching your sport. OK, put on a show for me, show me why this sport's amazing. and like I was sat there, I was in awe of some of it. Like, you know, there's like a thirteen year old girl, is it Sky Grey, I think her name was? That yeah.
2: Won,
1: that won the gold for G B. Was it? Was it bronze, sorry? She won for G B. Um I can't, I can't remember. I think it was, was bronze, it was. Yeah. yeah. Um but you know, thirteen years old, going, you know, what I mean, all the way across the world to win a medal for, for G B. Brilliant, you know, yeah. and you know, I am it's it's some of the things that you can do in mm. some of these sports and that and like mm. I said, I've never watched it before, never seen it before, but you know, definitely respect it. You loved
0: it. Yeah, and I think that's the beauty of like uh, like the Olympics and especially uh, coming up the uh, Paralympics as well. It's and even with CrossFit, I don't know if you watch the CrossFit games or watch the uh I've never
1: watched the CrossFit games, no. Yeah,
0: get get involved, have a look at that. Some of the um they do obviously do adaptive games as well. So yeah. uh, within CrossFit, um, the adaptive athletes get just as much respect as the other athletes as well. They get all the same like all the gear. They can turn up to their to their hotels and they've got like you know all these yeah. trainers and clothes and everything bought for them just equally. And and uh, I mean I think I even preferred watching the adaptive athletes uh, yeah. perform than uh, over the over the sort of the standard uh, individual individual games because uh, seeing a, a one arm man do a rope climb. That's that's unreal. But like, yeah. Just the speed that he was going up that rope. And I was thinking, hey, that is crazy. And like just just the, the and, and even doing like burpees, doing a burpee with one arm. Like I was I was attempting it the other day just to get a bit of an idea and yeah, yeah, like, how that would be. And oh my goodness. <laughs> very difficult, very difficult.
1: I think you know, any any adaptive lifting sport, powerlifting, mm. you know, crossfit, adaptive crossfit and that. It's, you know, it, like I said, I've never watched the adaptive CrossFit myself, but i watching the powerlifting and the power of powerlifting. You know, you just you see, like, how how these guys do these things, you know, and they lift some crazy weights. And I was chatting to a trainer down here the other day, and I was saying to him, I was like, you do realise, like, pound for pound, these guys in the Paralympics, lifting, bench pressing, however many much weight, the pain for is the strongest people in the world. You know. Mm. The, you know, pain for pain, they're probably lifting just as much as the likes of Eddie Hall does. Mm. You
0: know.
1: Um, and the thing is,
0: and, and with their programming as well, they have to especially if someone has got like a limb missing or they've got a certain condition, which would mean they would have an imbalance. And they've really got to think about their programming. Now you think if yeah. you're doing snatches on one arm, over the course of a year or so, you're going to develop a bit of an imbalance, and then the injuries are going to start to come into play. So, you've got to think, right? Okay, right. I can do snatches, but like, how do I? What's then, what, on what, effect yeah. Effect. What's the knock-on effect? How do I avoid these injuries taking place? So, how do I do exercise on the other side in order to yes. to balance everything out? Um, yeah. Which is like programming is hard enough on its own, let alone programming for someone that 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 would need that sort yes. of uh, that level of care
1: yeah you know Mm. and coaching adaptive sport it's it's a minefield and there's Mm. like throughout this podcast there's so many unknown challenges that can come up tomorrow that you're not prepared for and it's just having you know having that sort of attitude of okay this is happening now okay gotta gotta be ready for this now gotta adapt our training ways our methods uh, you know, potentially a whole approach have got to, got to change because of, you know, a progressive disability or a recessive disability or, you know, something new's cropped up, a different event, a different, you know, many things I can, I can mention here, but mm. being adaptable, it's, I'm trying to think how to sort of summarise this now, so being <laughs> adaptable in an adaptive sport is probably key mm. and you know the coaches definitely you know deserve a massive amount of respect and applauded for what they do for the athletes
0: absolutely absolutely yeah definitely I definitely agree with uh, everything you've said today man absolutely Um cool Daniel I think we'll leave it there yeah, it's been a pleasure, mate. You've Thank you been amazing. Um, so, obviously, you're a coach. Uh, let's try and get you some business. If you want to give us a shout-out of where you, uh, where you train and also your Instagram, so any of my um, listeners can uh, give you a follow and see what you do. Yeah.
1: yeah, so I work at the PT studio here in Wigan. See the sign behind me? Yep. Carefully playful.
2: Um,
1: <laughs> we are uh, on Facebook and Instagram, at the PCT studio, if you search that, put it in on Google, it will come up there Um, for myself. If you're wanting to follow myself and my athlete journey, still competing, as I've said, follow me on Instagram at Danny DeWood, that's D-A-W-O-U-D. If you're wanting to get in touch about training and any sort of personal one-to-one or group PT stuff uh, on Instagram and on Facebook at um ddpt underscore adaptive training on instagram and on facebook you put in ddpt adaptive training it should pop up there and i'm also on twitter uh danny
0: underscore DeWood. fantastic guys you know what to do give uh give daniel a follow daniel it's been amazing having you on thank you so much for um sparing thank some of your time today i've really enjoyed our conversation and i hope in the future uh, you'd come on again as well and we can uh, see how you've progressed and and maybe talk about some more of the people you've worked with
1: definitely It'd be awesome. to hear that
0: daniel thank you so much
1: thank you take care
2: mate
0: see you buddy